0: about average yeah just like a bunch of stuff going on each week i feel like we've we're trying to be a good host to like other people but just um be a good host so it's just a lot of work it's nice having a pla a place of our own so we can have people over but man it definitely takes time
1: yeah so we're, we're having a house that's what that's what comes with the territory. Always hosting yeah. stuff,
0: yeah, but we enjoy it. It's just bit man, just takes a lot of time out of us, okay.
1: All right, hey everybody, welcome back to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. If you're watching on my podcast, Upload Past Crossroads, you're watching the playback of this video. So, thanks so much for tuning into uh, my social media pages. You rock. Make sure to subscribe. Follow befriend me on all the rest of my social media platforms. I have the best social media platforms ever You're gonna see some of them in this video that me and Einstein are doing today Uh, And uh, yeah, so here goes the rest of my social media pages I'll talk about it at the end of the video and then we got my boy Einstein here as well so subscribe to his YouTube channel chaplains logs and you can watch all the videos that he does himself on his Bible studies his sermons his videos that he uploads on his youtube channel and all that stuff and you can befriend him on his facebook page justin lee howell right so it's 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 me it's him we're back at it again guys and we're hitting you guys with nehemiah chapter one we're not done with it yet we're still on verses five to six now right so if you haven't already go to my youtube channel and watch all the previous videos we did on nehemiah chapter one they were all amazing right so This is my YouTube channel. I have a playlist on there titled Nehemiah chapter one. So check it out on my YouTube channel. Look past crossroads. Also, if you want to see all my sermons, Bible studies and Sunday school lessons and all that stuff that I've done on the book of Nehemiah, you can check that out right here on this playlist in the book of Nehemiah. All right. So let's get to it, guys. So again, we're we're focusing in on Nehemiah chapter one uh you know what i'm gonna do something different justin if there's something you think that needs to be said of the book of nehemiah entirely before we start the video you can go ahead before i read the verses or you think we should just read the verses uh
0: let's read the verses first okay
1: Foundation. all right yeah so i'll let justin do the summary of where we're at in the book of nehemiah and we're going to be focusing on verses five to six today in nehemiah chapter one all right so we're in nehemiah chapter one we're focusing on verses 5 and 6, but I'm going to read all the verses so everybody gets a good uh synopsis of what's going on. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Man, I sound like a nerd sometimes. But anyways, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hecali, and it came to pass in the month of Cheslu in the 20th year, as I was in Shusha the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, Thee, o God of heaven, the global God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thou servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandeth, thou servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandedst, thou servant Moses saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven, Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thou servants and thou people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thy ear be attentive to the prayer of thou servant and to the prayer of thou servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thou servant, this day. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a king's cupbearer. And again, we're focusing on verse five and six today. We're about to tear this up. The title of today's lesson is Nehemiah Please to God. Mm-mm-mm. So Nehemiah verse one, I mean chapter one, verse five reads, and said I beseech thee, O God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. all right Justin, I'll let you start it off.
0: Yeah, man. So if you haven't seen the previous verses that we've done so far, definitely go to those videos because those videos have been building up to this. we finally gotten to the prayer. Like verse five is where the prayer starts. And I've been holding back on the meat of that just because we've been exploring like what type of person Nehemiah is. And you remember from the previous videos, we've talked like first and foremost, he's a man of God. Like before he did anything, before he took action he wept he prayed he mourned he fasted like we're finally getting into the prayer to find out what he was praying for but first and foremost we talked about like how god blessed king cyrus because uh king cyrus was being led by the hand by god and we were saying the same thing about nehemiah nehemiah didn't do anything until he figured out what god wanted of him like he already had man he was humble he was he was the cupbearer of the king. So he already had some pull. He already had some weight to his action. So he could have done what he wanted. But no, he waited first. So I'm glad we finally got into the prayer. We've talked so much about like what type of man Nehemiah was to pray and figure out how he needs to grow where he's planted. But now today, Sean and I are going to tackle like, what is he praying first now? And I'll, I'll just jump right into it if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. The, the first first line of his prayer Lord the God of heaven the great and awesome God when uh, Jesus's disciples asked Jesus how he needs to pray they like that's how Jesus started he said Um, hallowed be thy name he was praising God first and foremost like before you just go around asking for stuff like you have to give credit where credit is due and I love that a bunch of stuff that Nehemiah does throughout this chapter really parallels well with Jesus like what kind of man Jesus was um, and he did the same thing here he praised like what an awesome God is and that that's the reason he does that is because he wants to show that he believes that God can do this like he no doubt um, doubtful of like what God could do so he, he starts out with saying You're a great God. You're an awesome God. You keep your covenant of love. Like that's an indication of unconditional love. Like if God loves his people, he would heed this prayer. So I really like how he started out for verse five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the same wavelength as you, man. Like right now, that's the first thing I was going to say, man. Like one of my first points is like when we come to God, we must recognize him for who he is. A lot of people make god into their own god their own image of god and what they want god to be instead of what the bible says right like it says that the god of the bible has wrath the god of the bible judges the god of the bible will uh you know will punish right and discipline his children right so like <laughs> like that's something people like no god is a good and loving and gracious god i can sin and do what i want to do nehemiah no from the book of nehemiah chapter one we about to tear this up man just with with how nehemiah approached god he did not approach god like that right and a lot of people do that they treat god like a genie like whatever i want god's gonna give it to me and that was an awful way of doing it right you don't you gotta be careful how you approach god right nehemiah had a high view of god when he said god's name in verse five what did he say he said the god of heaven he said the great and awesome God. He said, he said awesome, right? The awesome God. He said the guy who keeps covenant with his people, right? The guy who preserves loving kindness, that's five things about God, right? And that's the that's the kicker, he keeps his promises. So does God not promise judgment upon people who disobey his commandments? Yes, he does. He keeps his promises. He's faithful to his promises. So just because you know, you don't want him to punish you, doesn't mean he's not gonna punish you, right? So I'm gonna say that in a little bit later. I'm gonna wait to say it. Let's focus on this, man. So Nehemiah, he's very humble, right? That's the first thing we get from Nehemiah, like mm-hmm. with this first part. And like he said, I pray, Lord God of heaven. So humility begins by simply understanding there is a God enthroned in the heavens, and I am not him, right? So it's life's not about what you want or how you want it to be and all that stuff is about what god ordained his plans what he orchestrated on earth and what he wants to go about and this is what nehemiah recognizes so nehemiah recognizes god for who he is and he's describing him with many mag- magnificent titles like lord god of heaven oh great and awesome God! you know you who keep covenant in mercy with those who love you so like he didn't approach God as an equal or as a peer. Like, I understand some people think God's their best friend and everything. I feel the same way. But, like, he didn't approach God as an equal or a peer like that. You know what I mean? He revered him, right? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but, like, do you approach God as an equal when you pray? Do you view and see God the way that you should? And do you speak to God the way that you should? You know, in Nehemiah's prayer, he recognizes that God is above everything else, right? God is in control of everything, and everything good comes from God. And our prayer should reflect the same exalted view of God, just like Nehemiah was talking about. You know, he said, good and terrible God. That, in other versions, was terrible, that word terrible. I'm like, why? Why is it terrible God? Like, God's not terrible. He's not bad. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's just a word that they used to use, you know, King James time and everything like that. It meant something completely different, right? So, but basically, you're just talking about fearing God. You know, God is a God to be worshipped with fear by all people, right? You're not just worshipping anybody. This is the God of all gods. He's This is the only true God, right? This is the one who created everything and who's going to judge everything, right? This is the God who you don't play around with. People don't understand that. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't just, you know, you got to make sure you're in right standing with God because It's not based on what you think. Like, I'm going to make it to heaven. No, it's based on what Jesus thinks, what God thinks himself, right? So, you know, his powerful wrath, right? It should cost all his enemies to fear him. It's reasons to be afraid. It's reason to be careful how you live, right? It's reasons, it gives you a reason to revere him and, and just, you know, honor him and glorify him like you never have before with your life, with your whole being, with everything that you do, right? This is what Nehemiah is talking about, man. So, like, why is God called Reverend, right? Why is it what why is that word used? Why should he be the only one who's called reverend, right? And that's another term for the, the term uh terrible, reverend, right? And we, we know that pastors are called reverend, and that's what my mom asked me, you know, why is God called reverend and why should he be the only one who is called reverend, right? So the great and terrible guy. So ain't no pastor t- terrible, right? Ain't no pastor should be feared. Right. Because we know in the Bible it says that the uh, what does it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's Proverbs 9, 10. When you understand the fear of God, like I know that's a question people are going to ask. Like, what's the fear of God, Justin? Like, the, like you can answer if you want. Like, uh, what's the fear of God? So like the fear of God, is just basically honoring God and respecting him with how you live. You live with yep. fear and trembling because you know on Judgment Day you're going to be judged for your, your deeds, your thoughts, your actions, everything, right? So you, you going to answer that question, Justin?
0: Yeah, because, like, that's an issue. Int- I've talked about that before, and it's a topic I like because for people who aren't so sure about Christianity or are hesitant about God, they'll say, like, what kind of God would ask people to be afraid of him? But, like, I think I say, like, that's not what he's calling us to do. He's not asking us to be like in terror of him for me. And I hang out with a lot of bikers. So I make the analogy that I have a healthy fear of my bike. Like I enjoy riding my bike, but I, I also realize how powerful and how dangerous it can be. So I respect it to a degree. Same with God in a weird, in a weird way that it's a healthy respect that we need to be in awe of the things that he's capable of. Um, like, I, I think we would be afraid if we saw the full extent of his power. But it's—he doesn't want us to be like in a paralyzed fear. Mm-hmm. He wants to be in a fear, like fearing him, is healthy respect of knowing. And that's, and that's the same for like when it says the fear of God is the start of knowledge. It's almost like humbling ourselves. We, we. Re- God enough to know that he has plenty of things to teach us so it's it I'm I think it just I think fear has a different meaning in Greek and Hebrew than it might have for the connotation in English yeah yeah
1: and the last thing I want to say too you know just with being you know the great and terrible guy you know the reverend guy you should reverend and all that stuff like reverence, a word uh that we that should be applied to god instead of pastors so that's the first thing i want to say and then god is the reverend god the one who incites terror so that's what the word reverend is supposed to mean i know we we got slang and stuff like that in the day's time period that changes stuff but you know you should fear god because he determines it all and he he will judge it all right so this is why is this gives us cause some reason to fear him because god can man who would want to burn in hell? Like, that should put anybody, that should give anybody enough fear. But some people, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everybody has wisdom. Everybody has common sense. Everybody has understanding and knowledge. So that's where that comes from, God. So, so, yeah, you guys know. So, God is a God of judgment, but He's also a gracious God, right? So, God is a God of judgment and He's a God of grace. You get these two options with Him, right? That's it, right? You can have His grace. Or you can have his judgment, and there's no in between, right? So you are either hot or you're cold, right? You or you can't be on the fence if you look warm, and so you get to choose which God, which side of God you get, right? And so, uh, yeah, man, like that's what Nehemiah's focusing in on right here. He's telling God who he is from his word. He's not he's not inciting something he thinks and what he believes and what he wants God to be. A lot of people do that. No, he's saying what the Bible says. He, did, he gives us two examples in Nehemiah chapter one, verse, chapter one, verse five. He said, The God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him as his commandments. And if we read a little further in like verses seven and eight and nine, it talks about how uh you know God said he's gonna scatter us, right? If we disobey him. God said he's gonna punish us and judge us if we disobey him. And this is where they're at. Everybody, all of God's people scattered. All of God's people are everywhere. It was two to three million Jews and only, I think, 50,000 of them went back to Jerusalem. So that's like two or three percent of them. That is a tiny percentage, right? So like, they're scattered everywhere and nobody knows where they're at. They're in Persia, they were in Babylon, so they're all everywhere. And so like, God said, if you just turn back to me, you repent of your sins, you know, you can receive my grace. I will bring you back to the land. I will take you there i'll make the roads easy like me and just to talk about that one youtube video with king cyrus you know i'll bring my people i'll make the uh mountains uh lower and elevate the highways to where it's even so it's just an easier trip to make it to the promised land you guys get what i'm saying man i'm talking up too much but anyways nehemiah pleads and urges god for mercy for his people and for even himself you know as he goes before the king in verse 11 in nehemiah chapter 1 so Nehemiah knew that God could give you his grace or he can give you his judgment. And it's the balls in your court. You get to decide which one you get. And Nehemiah said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead for all of Jerusalem. Like you said, you're a gracious God. You can bring us back to the promised land, bring us back to Jerusalem. You can be our God again, rebuild the walls, and we don't have to live with shame and reproach anymore because we can live in your victory. Because you already done paid it for us, you already done gave it to us. All we gotta do is accept and receive it. So I repent, and I repent for all the people. And when he what what happened when he did that, God God brought them all brought all of Israel in right relationship with Him. So it's just so much to say about that. I'm gonna work to say it all, but. Just, I'm sorry, man. You can, you can go ahead, man.
0: No, you're no, you're hitting all the high points. Yeah. I think that like I think that's uh and, and I think that's good that Nehemiah is doing having a healthy fear of God and addressing him first and growing where he's planted. Man, you you just hit a lot of good points. I'm trying to figure out which to tackle first. But okay. it's like a divergence of what the people of Jerusalem did used to they did not put God first they tried to do things themselves gosh the now that I think about it their time with Moses all their their time throughout the Old Testament is them just trying to do things is God telling them how to do things and then them just trying to figure it out themselves but like um so that's why their walls of Jerusalem were torn down that's why their city and their iron bars were torn to pieces. It's because they tried to do things without God. But now Nehemiah is trying to flip the script and give an example, just like Jesus, of how to approach these things. So that's something I really like about the prayer that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I wanted to say something. Hopefully you remember some stuff too that you want to say that I said and stuff like that. But um one thing you said at the very beginning of the video Justin, you said that uh Basically, Nehemiah thanked God before he even asked God for anything. And that's verse five, right? Like, I'm going to read verse five again. Nehemiah chapter one, verse five. That's what me and justin are focusing in on right now, right? Just in case you're just watching. Well, uh, verse five in Nehemiah chapter one reads, And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So, uh, Yeah, so Nehemiah is basically worshiping and praising God before he asked God for anything. And this was the first thing he did, right? Like he's talking about how awesome and great God is, how we should fear God, right, and revere him above any and everything in this world, right? And then, you know, he keeps his covenant so he doesn't lie. You know, he's faithful to his word, right? He's merciful, right? (laughs) If we observe his commandments, he's merciful to us right so these are qualities about god that are true and right and so i just want to focus on that right now so like whatever situation you're going through that's what faith is faith is believing in things hope for it's the substance of things not seen right something like that right so faith is just believing in something that's not there yet right it's having faith that god can do something that that hasn't been done yet in your life right so do you have that kind of faith right and Nehemiah did. Right. He thanked God before he even went to the king. He thanked God and praised God before he did anything. Right. Because he knew that God was a way maker and God's a good God. Right. And this, this is just some of his promises. So he got to be faithful to his word. So that's something I want to hone in on. Uh, I post a lot of posts like that on Instagram. Just talking about, you know, praise God before. Praise God in advance. Praise God before. And here goes one of them. So one of the posts is this. I'm going to zoom in because I know it'd be so tiny when I'd be sharing my screen um, online like this on YouTube video. So one of the posts I posted was this. I'm going to post it again so it look better. This is how you know. This is one of my older posts from last year in 2021. So I said, when you enter into God's presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power, right? And so here goes some of the caption. Some of the caption read, worship will get you there. And then something else I said was, God will never disappoint a praiser. Just ask Paul and Silas at the at midnight as they sang praises. God opened their prison doors. Just ask Daniel, as he gave thanks to God. Those hungry lions couldn't touch him. You know, just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they went into the fiery furnace full of praise and came out with even without even smelling like smoke. This is what happens when you praise God. You know, worship will get you through the roughest times in your life because it shifts your focus from the problem to the problem solver. And this is what Nehemiah is doing. We saw in verse three in Nehemiah chapter one that Nehemiah had a burden after the news that he received from his brethren Hanani that, you know, the the walls, the, the walls are uh, down, the gates are burned, you know, the city is in ruins and there are all the people there in Jerusalem right now, all the remnant are living in reproach and constant fear, right? Constant disgrace. And, and Nehemiah's praising God because he knew that we serve a good God. And the walls in ancient time period revealed the power of your God. And Nehemiah knew this wasn't a good uh, picture of what our God is. Our God's greater than all the rest of the nations, especially Persia, you know? And our God's going to rebuild the walls because, you know, he... He, he he is our security. He's the best security in the whole world. So like, yeah, so this was Nehemiah's burden, what he wanted to happen. This is what God purposed in his heart and gave him the passion to do for God's people and expounding the kingdom of God on earth for all God's people, right? Bringing heaven here on earth and stuff like that, right? So praise precedes victory. So don't wait to worship God until you get to the promised land. You got to worship him along the way right? Praise him in advance. Praise him in the hallway, right? So there's so much to say about that. <laughs> but I just wanted to throw that out there, man. All right. And then, uh, Justin, did you have anything else, man? Because I, I got something else from verse five. Now I'm ready to go yeah. to six. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, just uh, yeah, since we've already addressed, like, how Nehemiah praises God, first, I do like how he's imploring God to keep his covenant of love with those who love him. And keep his commandments so now he's first to start with God now it's being directed towards the people of God so I like that Nehemiah is not making this about himself like at all like already talked about um, in verse verse 4 like he already felt a strong compassion for the Jews like he's praying for the other people that he doesn't even know like it makes me think of verses with Jesus where it talked about him having compassion from his bowels or pa- compassion from like deep inside so to hear that uh, Nehemiah is praying for those who love God is just awe-inspiring and I think we need I think we definitely need to take a lesson from this because I think even I think sometimes the answer to our prayers can be no sometimes but God And Jesus taught us that we still need to implore with our prayers. Like, why? I think a big part of it is because prayer helps transform the inside. When we concentrate on people other than ourselves, we are getting in the mindset of what God is all about. We are putting others before us and humbling ourselves. Like, that's the definition of humbling yourself. It's not putting yourself down, but putting others before you. We desperately need it in our culture. I think today. So I just like how verse five continues that That he is praying for people That are the god's holy people like the people who have a covenant with god like he wants to lift them up like I've, there could be like Loads of reasons why he wants to do that. Maybe he loves god so much that he wants his people to prosper Maybe he just has a connection uh, an emotional connection to those people. I'm not too sure, but it's just amazing that he is trying to lift up other people with his prayers. And how did Jesus want us to do that? Because that's, man, Jesus doesn't care about our outer image. Like he called the Pharisees, what was it? Pristine white uh, gravestones. Like they're nice and white on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. No, he wants us to pray not just for the sake of other people, but because that gets us a heart for other people like that allows us to connect to other people like when we pray when my wife and I pray for other people like we're showing we care like we just feel like we have a connection with them. So Nehemiah is really trying to push God to follow his promise to take care of his people. I think that's amazing because God doesn't need to be reminded that but I I do think God tries to see if other pe- if people will pray on the behalf of other people like Moses when he was trying to uh, tell God not to destroy his people. He was like it was like right after they went through the trouble of getting them out of Egypt. God didn't have to be reminded that. But I I wholeheartedly believe that God wanted to see. What kind of leader moses was and um moses prayed for his people just as nehemiah is praying for his people here yeah
1: man i want to go there but I, I was one more thing i wanted to say with verse five but that's the, that's where i want to go that's the that's the uh the ace of spade i had up my hand whatever you want to call it justin that i want to tell you about uh, a story in the bible by the name uh, Achan. there's a person in the bible named Achan. I'll talk about it in a minute, but last time I'm going to say what verse 5 is. We we'll see we see in all of Nehemiah chapter 1 that Nehemiah kept on plea, pleading to God, kept on asking and begging God for help, kept on interceding on the behalf of all of Israel, you know, asking for forgiveness, asking to be in right standing with God and for God to restore a relationship with him and his people, right? His redeemed people, right? And so Nehemiah says in verse five, you know, please, please, you know, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. Verse eight, he said, I beseech thee again. So I urge you, I'm pleading, I'm begging. Like uh, in verse six, let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. So please pay attention. God, I need you to listen to this. You know, do you talk to God like that? Like, do you beg him to, to, to listen? And this is how you approach God, right? You know, God doesn't have to listen to you why everybody think god need to bend over backwards for them we're talking about god the great and terrible and awesome god the most awesome person in awesome awesome entity the most awesome thing ever like there's no comparison right so like yeah verse 11 i beseech thee let now thine ear be attended to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayers of thy servants who desire to fear Thy name? Like, please listen. As we fear Your name, we revere You. Like, we respect You and honor You, God. We glorify You. Like, this is how You approach God, and this also shows Nehemiah's heart. You know, He continually pleaded before the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of the Lord God of Heaven. Right? He continually called out and depended on the Lord. And this is an application for us. You know, do you rely on, and depend on, and plead to, and call out to God like this? Like, I hope I painted a really good picture. Of verse 5 and just all of Nehemiah chapter 1 you know or do you rely on plea to and depend on men instead of God right are you pleading the people like this your manager your boss you know please don't fire me please don't get rid of me I need you like you got the Lord God Almighty on your side and I want to put this in the context we're talking about Nehemiah he said in verse 1 that I was in Shusha the palace in Persia and then he said in verse 11 that I was a cupbearer to the king so that means he had access to the king he was close to the king he knows the king he has connections he's in the palace of susha right so like he knows people right he's not just a regular person a regular israelite he's with he's in high regard in the in the highest position you could possibly have you know in persia for israelite right so but yeah, he could have just basically I'm trying to say he could have just went to the king. He had access to the king. He could have just asked the king for help instead of pleading pleading to God at all. That's what some people do, right? <laughs> so do you run to God or do you run to man? And Nehemiah is not that type of person. He knew who the real king was, who the one true king was. And that's the application for us. You know, even though you have connections, even though you know some people, you have some access to some renowned or great person, some celebrity, you know, are they better than the Lord? answers the heck to the no so psalms verse uh 118 uh, psalms chapter 118 verse 8 says it's better to trust in the lord than to put your confidence in man and then psalms 20 verse 7 says some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the lord our god so which one are you so i just want to throw that out there before we go to verse six all right and justin that's all i got for verse five did you have anything else for verse five that's all I have for verse five. All right, I'm, I'm gonna hit it. Uh, next lesson again, I think, but, uh, let's go ahead and move to verse six, man, and hit them with this. So as you guys know, me and, uh, Justin are talking about Nehemiah chapter one, verses five and six today. If you don't know, we've been having Bible studies on Nehemiah chapter one, a lot of Bible studies. So check out on my YouTube channel, Upper past crossroads on his YouTube channel, chaplain logs to, uh, Listen to all the rest of our Nehemiah chapter one studies. But here goes verse six of Nehemiah chapter one. We're about to break this down. Uh, Nehemiah says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night for the children of Israel, our servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And Justin already hit this, man. <laughs> Justin literally said that Nehemiah prayed on the behalf of all of Israel. And I don't want to bring that to light. I really want to focus on that. So, like, a lot of times in the Christian life, like I'm just gonna talk, I'm not gonna read my notes. A lot of times in the Christian life, we think it's me, myself, and I. I think I cried a thousand times, like uh the Beyonce song I'm trying to reference. But um, yeah, we just think that our sin doesn't affect anybody, right? We think that. You know we can just live and do what we want to do, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm just gonna do me, boo boo. Like that's how people live, right? And I want to, I want to teach you guys a story, right? This story ties in with the book of Nehemiah like crazy. There's a man named Achan in the Bible. If you look in Joshua chapter seven, Justin, this should be our next Bible study, right? In Joshua chapter seven, there's a man named Achan, right? And this was after, I think Moses died, and now Joshua was the leader, right? And this was when they walked around the walls of Jericho. And they had to walk around like seven times i don't remember and then the walls came flying down and god said slaughter everybody something like that and burn everything don't take nothing right but he specifically told him you can take the silver and gold but it's for me it's an offering to me that's it right but there's this one guy named aiken who was with the israelites at this time he's an israelite and he's in the line of judah he he wanted to do something else right and so he stole a babylonian garment and he stole some silver i think right but either way he stole something and god said don't take anything and if you do the gold and silver belongs to me and that's it it burned everything else so i don't know why he took the garment like it's not like he can wear it around in israel like think of the garment like you know show it off and then with the silver and gold like you know i, I maybe maybe but either way it goes because of his sin all of israel were was in bad standing with god as a people so god was mad at all of israel he turned his back on all of israel for one man's sin (laughs) for one man's mistake and so all of israel was trying to figure out well who is this one man that did this like who stole like it wasn't us like you know why did god turn from us like and, and actually they lost the battle they went to battle not long after that like in the city of I or something and they lost because of this man's sin it was only one man right (laughs) and so long story short um joshua and all the leaders prayed and asked god like who was it and so they narrowed it down to it was someone in the line of judah then they narrowed it down to being two different households so they went to the two different people in their households in their tents and um they figured out it was a guy named Aiken and his family. His family actually helped him to hide the silver and gold in the Babylonian garment underneath, you know, some rocks in their house. So, long story short, they uh they they all got stoned. Him and his family got stoned. And they actually put stones on top of the whole entire family and their tent and everything they owned, and they burned everything. And the question is, was his sin unpardonable? Could he have asked God, you know, and said, you know, could he he have told God, you know, I repent, I turn from my wickedness, you know. But he didn't do that. Right. He tried to hide his sin. Right. He he tried to, uh, you know, he tried to prevent anybody from seeing it like nobody's going to know. Like, right. And so the whole point is, you know, is God's grace bigger than any sin? Right. So all the whole point is, you know, Nehemiah didn't hide. His sin or the whole nation's sin. Right. He stated everything Israel failed to do and continually fail to do. And he even said, I even failed to do it sometimes. Right. So he he asked God for forgiveness. And this is the whole point. You know, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and all unrighteousness. And we just turn to him. That's first John. Chapter one, verse nine. All we gotta do is turn to him. All we gotta do is repent. All we gotta do is say we were wrong. And this is Nehemiah's humility. Nehemiah didn't even exist. It wasn't even around 150 years that when they first went to Babylonian captivity, right? The whole nation, when Jerusalem was originally burned, all its walls burned, burned, all its gates burned, and the whole city in ruins. 150 years before Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah is around 444 B.C., and he's even repenting of the whole nation's sin, even though he didn't do all those sins, right? And that's the whole point. We're a team, you know. In the Christian body, I like what Paul says. He says we're a body of Christ. We're many members, many functions. We got the we got the toenail, we got the uh, the pinky nail on the finger. We got the we. You know what I mean? There's like seven thousand five hundred different ligaments and parts in your body, something like that. Something crazy. That's a lot of parts, right? You got you got the uh, the flesh underneath the flesh, like, you know, the pink part. You guys know what I'm talking about. You got the bones. You got all the veins. Like, if we just look at the finger and just really could see through it, like Clark Kent, like Superman, we will see a lot of intricacies, a lot of stuff going on in our bodies, right? Lungs, tonsils. I don't know. You got all these different functions, right? And so that's the Christian body, right? When one member's off, we're all off and we don't live like that in today's time period. We think, you know, my sin doesn't affect anybody. You know, nobody is hurt by my sin, you know. Sin does does not just hurt the sinner though. Right? Sin does not just hurt the sinner. Yeah, that's a lie. Right? <laughs> so some people think that sin just hurts one sinner, right? This is my life and I can do what I want with it because it doesn't affect anyone. Right? And I like Romans. That's all lies, by the way. So, Romans chapter 14, verse 7, it says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. So, nobody lives in a vacuum. Our actions affect everybody around us, especially as believers, right? We're the salt and light of the world. So, anything we do affects the whole Christian body. That's why we got so many scary movies and so many movies in Hollywood bashing Christianity to make Christians look like perverts and, and crazy people because that's all they see because as christians we lost our way we think we can sin and be like the world and think we still have a message to talk about no we don't so everything that we do affects everyone we're a a unit we're a team when one member's off we're all off we're all a bad team we need to come together and be better as christians stop being like Akin and think we can hide and conceal our sin because that's another scripture verse man it's one of my (laughs) favorite. Let me see if I can pop it up and find it. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You get two options. I told you you could receive God's judgment, God's wrath, his punishment, or you could receive his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. That's a better way. It's just filled with peace. It's better, right? Stop trying to conceal your sin and cover it. Like, it's not it's gonna it's gonna backfire on you that's another scripture verse guys just in case you think you can get away with sin don't worry i'm preached up too. so like uh in luke chapter 8 verse 17 it says for there is nothing hidden hidden that will not be disclosed and then concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open so you need to deal with your sins swiftly or god will deal with them sharply right you get two options. <laughs> so you can't hide anything from God. God is not mocked. You may fool people, but God knows everything. He sees everything. Even when you think you're getting away with something you're not with, God, you may get away with it for a little while with people because you, you stole money from the government and taxes. It's going to backfire on you. They will come for you. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Like, no, every sin on this earth will come to light, even if it don't come to light here on this earth don't let it come to light in heaven when you're being judged by god because you will burn in hell like you know so like we got to be careful how we live we can't just live any kind of way right so yeah i just want to share that story with man. and that's why nehemiah was like i'm gonna tie this in with nehemiah so nehemiah he saw everybody as a unit as a people and he's part of these people he's part of this unit the body of christ he's doing his function but all the members are off so he wants to bring all the members back together because even though you know, you got your own life. You're doing what you're doing for God. OK, that's good. You're living for God. All right. We're a body at the end of the day. So it's all about how we do stuff together and expanding God's kingdom as a church, the big seed, not the little seed. So like and that's that. that's what it takes. You can't live this Christian life alone. You aren't meant to. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there, man. I'm sorry. Justin.
0: <laughs> you brought in the concept of sin, though, because like that's. The second part of verse six was saying, "I confess, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed." I think that's that's part of prayer, though, as well. Instead of, as we said, we don't just start prayers asking God to fulfill our wishes or to treat Him like a genie. Like first and foremost, He gave God the praise, like Jesus did in His prayer. But then He also Address that there are sins that they need to be forgiven. I think that the um, man—that's that, a—it's amazing that this prayer was done before Jesus's time because I feel like back then we still had. They didn't exactly pray that their sins would be forgiven all the time. They kind of had these rituals. If you go through Lamentations, you kind of see just like all the. The process that they had to do to be forgiven of sins, not only sins they did consciously, but also sins that they did that they weren't aware of. Because, you know, you're not doing something right. There's no way you're not perfect. Like, that's first and foremost for a Christian. We have to recognize that we we have our own problems and we sin all the time. So I like that. Like, he's trying to he's trying to I don't know. it, It just seems like he's trying to hit. Every mark, as far as getting on the same wavelength of God, and part of that is recognizing that God given God has to be the one to forgive them of that sin. And I think that's really important because, like as you said, sin doesn't just affect your individual life; it does have a downward spiral in which it affects everybody. And I know the I know the sins of Israel have affected them because, man, look at their city. There is no city now. That's what Nehemiah trying to fix so i love you brought in the concept of sin there because like Nehemiah's trying to address that he's trying to confess his sins first and foremost and i think that's a good foundation for any christian man before we get into more of the prayer like it's just good that we recognize that we need jesus we need to be forgiven for this we need to confess these sins to god because man there's He already knows what we've done. Like he we can't hide that stuff So for prayer to be able to confess that is very important because now everything's in the open You're not going to god with a fake mask and trying to be like a pharisee and trying to pray out loud in public No, you're humbling yourself You're praising god and you're humbling yourself by confessing that we need his help nehemiah knows this because he's asking help from God first before he starts this big project that he's going to do in the city of Jerusalem. I I just, a a second part of verse six that I really like is he says he's going to pray day and night and the verses say that he prays for months on end. So, you know, he's been praying day or night that goes back to what Jesus was saying with the parable of the uh, man who was knocking on his neighbor's door. Like God and Jesus want us to persist in prayer. Like, why they want us to do that? Like, if um, I sometimes it's circumstantial. Like, sometimes people like will like pray once and wonder why it's not like. And there's there's multiple reasons for that. I don't think we can get into that for this video. Um, It could be that the answer to the prayer is no. It could be that. The timing's not right. It could be that God wants us to continue to pray so our hearts are transformed before He answers. Is, there's just so much to say about that. But the fact that the fact that Nehemiah is like hitting all the right notes as far as what Jesus wants us to do before Jesus actually showed up is pretty amazing for that. because not only is he confessing his sins and the sins of other people, he's also going to say okay i'm going to be praying this day and night so look they all in a nicer way of course <laughs> yeah.
1: and that's something i want to say too if we learn anything from the book of the mile it ties in with the story of aching like crazy and this is how it ties in your yeah. sin affects others right and i hope everybody understands that so the sins that you do will affect your family will affect your friends Will affect your wife, your husband, your children. It will affect the church, you know, the little church, the little seat and the big seat, right? It will affect your uh corporation, you know. Your sins will affect your community, it will affect your city, it will affect the whole world. And this is what we see with Nehemiah. This is why the walls are down, this is why the gates were burned. This is why the city's in ruins, and all they have there is the temple. It's been there for 70 years before Nehemiah's time period, and that means they've been back for 90 years before Nehemiah's time period, and the walls and the gates still aren't built. Why? Because the, the people weren't in right relationship with God, right? And and they weren't in right relationship with God because they never truly repented, right? They never truly turned away from the, pay, the sins that led them to this situation because they were still entertaining the pagans, the idols, just Everything that was surrounding them from that the other nations and the other regions were doing instead of living and doing what God, God wants them to do. And that's what that's a testament to us. Can you say the same thing about yourself? Like, are you living how God wants you to live or are you doing and being like the rest of the world? Because if you are, you know, rebuilding begins when you start to repent. God can't rebuild your life. He can't build your life and build the kingdom in your life and all that stuff if you don't repent and turn from your sins, right? And so a lot of people don't think that they sin. Like I had one friend tell me, you know, you know, I don't sin, I don't do it, because he only believes in the Old Testament and not the New. But like even in the Old Testament, Nehemiah was humble enough to realize, you know, even though I don't sin openly, I still sin, right? <laughs> so he still confessed it out loud so nehemiah plainly and simply confessing without any attempt attempt at excusing the sin a lot of people make excuses like you know my sins little my sin you know it ain't hurting nobody nobody know. so they minimize Mm -hmm. sin they justify sin you know we always avoid excuse yeah we we must always avoid excusing ourselves in the confession of our sins right like, everybody always want to make an excuse. You know, Lord, I'm sorry, but you know how hard it is, so that's why I do it. You know, that's that's nonsense, right? We need to stop uh, playing around and, and, and entertaining sin and, and making it minuscule, making it less than what it really is. Because we just talked about how the sin of Achan, that's tiny. That's a tiny sin, man. He stole a garment from an, 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 another nation that they uh, plundered. and And then he took some silver and gold. He didn't take all of it. Right. But he was caught. Right. And and that's the thing, guys, like I want to hone that in. I didn't I didn't really paint that picture too well, but we must immediately confess our sins and not wait until we get caught. If you wait until you get caught, you're not going to like the consequences of it. You're not going to like the discipline actions. There's consequences for sin. So instead of having your sin exposed, go ahead and confess it. Give it up. Achan didn't give it up. This is why he was stoned. Him and his family was stoned because we're a team, we're a unit, your sin affects everybody around you, everybody that's a part of you in any kind of way, so like, we got to turn from it, right, and and then we can be sure our sin finds us out, right, because it will find you out, it will come to light, so I hope everybody was really blessed by that, because like, that story of Achan tied in crazy to what the Israelites are going through, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but like, I'm going to switch uh, gears real quick. I'll come back to that in a minute at the end because that's a good way to end the video. But like with verse six, guys, like Nehemiah said, you know, thou servant, your servant, you know, thou servant Moses. Like he was calling himself God's servant. He was calling Moses God's servant. And he was calling all God's people God's servant and all in Nehemiah chapter one. You'll see him say it eight different times. Right. Eight different times. The word servant. And this is mind-boggling to me, because you got to understand, he's a cupbearer to the king. This man eats every single day. He's living in luxury. He's in the palace. A servant? Like, yeah, he's a servant to the Persian king, but like a cupbearer? Like, nah, man, that's those are renowned people. They make the schedule for the king. They have the king's ear. Like, you know, the king listens to what these cupbearers have to say. So it's not just like he's a king's servant. Nah, man, he's like one of the king's council, Right? And Nehemiah's calling himself a servant of the Lord, man. So, like, that is so powerful that he saw himself in that light. And that shows how humble he is, right? Yeah. He still recognizes his need for God, even though he has access to the king, like I said at the beginning of the video. Even though he has the ears of the king, um, you know, the king's ears, and he still uh, can talk to the earthly king, the Persian king, you know, king Artaxerxes, whatever he won't get what he wants from him. No, man, I got the true king. You know, the one true king, God Almighty, God, the Lord God of heaven, like he said continually in the book of Nehemiah. And so this is how he depended on God and relied on God. He said, please let your ear be attentive in verse six, like just starting off. Right. So humility also understands your complete dependency on God. When you're humble, you understand you need God. You can't live life without God. So only God could help me if only God could hear me right this is how me and my thought and god would help me if he could hear me because all i gotta do is plea and ask him for help asking it shall be given seeking you should find knocking the door will be open to you to those who keep asking the answer will be found and those who keep knocking the, the door will open to, to those who keep on seeking the answer will be found, right? So this is Scripture verses, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 8. I just read that to you. I said it, but I didn't read it. But you guys get what I'm saying. So like, this is the Bible. If you ask God for anything, like Justin said, there's so many stories in the Bible talking about if you ask God, he will intercede on your behalf. He will do something for you, right? So like, uh, the persistent widow, a story I tell every Sunday school lesson just about, like, every Bible study, it always ties in. So like, the persistent widow kept on going to a person kept on going to a judge who had no fear of God no fear of man at all and kept on pleading to the judge that you know give me back what my was was what's mine you know my husband died my children died and you took everything from me give it back and the only reason why the judge even gave her anything was because she kept on coming back to him and he feared for his life because <laughs> she was so persistent <laughs> And then he feared that you know he his reputation would be tarnished and he will look bad and nobody come to him so he wouldn't make any money if he keep on saying no to this widow so he eventually gave her what she wanted and jesus whole point of telling the story was you know if a man who doesn't fear god doesn't fear a man only cares about himself can give a hopeless nobody a widow out of all people what she wanted what do you think of loving king and awesome father who knows everything you need knows what you're going to ask for before you ask for it what do you think he's going to do for you you keep on asking him for help for help guys man we got a guy that just want to help us man and nehemiah desperately asked god to hear his prayer your servant do you think if you come humbly before god 24 seven days a week day and night every second of every single day asking him for help he ain't gonna help you come on stop playing. He, that's another story he told. He told another, Jesus told another story in the Bible, saying, "You know, if he basically said it, there's no earthly father that would give his son a snake instead of bread if the son asks for bread. There's not even the wickedest person on earth, the wickedest that doesn't fear God, doesn't fear man, doesn't care, just just awful, right? The most awful person on earth. Even they want to give their son a stone if their children ask for a fish." So why do you think a loving and a caring father who knows everything about you, knows what you need, cares about you, loves you, why would he give you anything less than the best? Why would he give you anything other than what you really need, right? So this is our God, man. We can depend on him for everything. So God will allow you to be fruitless to expose your need for total dependence on him. This is the only reason why we're fruitless. This is the only reason why we go through desperate situations. This is the only reason why we hit rock bottom. Because God wants you to lean on him and go to him and depend on him. And look at Nehemiah, man. Come on, man. Thou servant, your servant, God's chosen people. Man, I'm, I'm going to end it just <laughs> So, like, Nehemiah, he saw himself in the Israelites how he, should saw, how he should see himself in the Israelites. And do you see yourself the way that you should see yourself? our identity comes from God. It comes from God's word. If if I asked who you are, what would you say? Like a lot of people say they're defined themselves by their achievements or they're defined themselves by their failures or they define, if I was Michael Jordan, I would define myself by basketball too. But you know, like, but like that's their definite that's their, that's how they define themselves, right? A beautiful person. If I was beautiful, the most beautiful man on earth, I wish I was, I would define myself by my beauty. Like, you know what I'm saying? The beautiful women, like that's all their Instagram pages and photos of themselves, selves or their face. That's it. Well, like, you know, a lot of people define themselves. If I ask who they were, they'll say different things like that, right? I'm not going to belabor that point anymore. You guys get what I'm saying. But Nehemiah, he saw himself as the Lord's servant, as God, one of God's chosen people, as thou servant, man. He kept on reiterating this, man. So where does your identity come from? Does it come from God? Because this was Nehemiah's, man. Nehemiah was conscious of who he was in God and who the Israelite people were in God. And they weren't conscious of this because if they were, they would have been pleading to God too. And the walls would have been rebuilt way before Nehemiah's time period. We said 90 years they've been back in Jerusalem before Nehemiah's time period. And the walls and the gates were still burned down, wasn't fixed. And the city was in ruins for 90 years, guys. 150 years since the Babylonian captivity. You guys get what I'm saying? So like Nehemiah knew that God could God's people is already redeemed. All they got to do is repent. God's people is already saved. All they got to do is repent. And God will do the miraculous. God has already set these people apart. They're scattered. But they can come back to the promised land. (laughs) They weren't living in the purpose that God originally intended for them because they refused to turn back to him and to see themselves as the way God saw them. Okay, that's another video, man. I need to do a separate video on that. Just your identity in Christ, Justin. Like it dictates everything. It dictates where you're gonna go in life. It dictates what God can do for you. It dictates how you're gonna be experiencing this life. Cause that's another thing I had, Justin. Justin, I'm preaching. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Justin, right. I had so much. One thing I was gonna say is, if your if your heart isn't right with God, your life won't look right either. This was the the Israelites in in Nehemiah's time period. The walls were down. The gates were burned. Like the city was in ruins. The people were living in disgrace and shame. Weather, wild animals and opposing people and opponents could easily enter into the city because there was no walls and no gates. When you're in a right relationship with God, do you think that's going to happen? you think there'll be walls symbolize protection, boundaries, restrictions, guardrails, protecting you from the enemies, the temptations? You think God don't do that for you? If you're in his will and in his provision, come on, let's we'll stop playing. All right, so, like, it's so much to say with that, guys. I know you guys get what I'm saying, but, like, let me finish it out. So, Nehemiah, you know what, Justin, go ahead, and I'll finish the identity after you because <laughs> I know you got something, man.
0: Yeah, just uh, let me – hold on. Let me make sure this isn't – uh, this isn't stuff for the next verse.
1: Man, it's cool, cool man. I, I I went in, man. I'm sorry, bro. I just
0: <laughs> – oh, no, good points. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I won't get that yet, but yeah, I it's yeah, what that really resonated with me, like, enter the and at any time they wanted, but they first they had to turn back to God, and the fact, just the fact that like they, to turn back to God, like that's such a big pride thing. I don't know, it's either pride or ignorance, maybe a little bit of both. But man, that that goes back to Genesis where like um, um, Eve had pride of like wanting to, Adam and Eve had the pride of wanting to be like God. That's how Lucifer fell because like he had pride in himself. It's like, that's what keeps us away from God. It makes me think back to the studies we did in Revelation of like everything is being sustained by God. Like we have to lean into God. During those moments and the fact that the that Nehemiah Needs to help the people is a big showcase that they refuse to go back to God um, out of ignorance or pride or whatever But that the start of this chapter and I'm I'm going to end it there today by just saying that for wait for some future studies but that's the start of chapter one is that Nehemiah is trying to reconnect God to his people right here like the people have turned away, like man, that's that's the story of the Old Testament is just turning away from God constantly. Yeah. But just the heart of Nehemiah, is should be um, an influence on you. That's we need to seek God first. Like if we want, um, we want to see God in our life, we have to invite Him into our life first. Like he, He's not. If you are Living up or living in your own sin, what's the What do those verses say? Like, um, like if you choose to live in sin, God is going to punish you by letting you live in those sin, He's not gonna bring down fire from heaven, He's going to let you live in your own consequences. That's like, um, oh, that was the nuts I was gonna say about that part. Um, yeah, like in Ecclesiastes uh the author was asking like why does god like good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people bad things are happening to bad people sometimes because god is letting them live in their own consequences um but by confessing these sins by trying to turn back to god i think nehemiah is really trying to flip the screen so that's that's like that's the foundation of chapter one is about is
1: Turning back to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Last thing I was going to say is I'm going to go back to your identity, right? Your performance, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that they're saved because of what they do, right? Because I sing in the choir, I'm saved. Right? And because I'm in Elevations Church's choir, I can only imagine if I was in Elevations Church's choir and I could sing like the best male singer you could ever, you ever heard, but like the one that's singing really hot like and hit those high notes to me, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like if I could sing like that in a church, Oh my, my boy, I'm saved. you know what I'm saying? Like they think that there's, because they got a certain spiritual gift they're saved because they can preach a certain way they're saved. So if their uh, relationship with God is based on their performance, but that's one thing I want to say, your relationship with God is not based on your performance. It's not about what you do, how you do it, how great you do it. It does not matter. You might have got in touch with his identity with God through Christ right? Nehemiah saw himself as one of God's children. He got many children. He only got sons and daughters. He don't got no grandchildren because you can't inherit your salvation. It only comes from Jesus. You got to go to him yourself, right? So like your relationship with God is not based on your performance. The self-achieve identity must also be self-sustained, right? The If you earn your identity, right, you have to maintain your own identity, right? But your identity belongs to Jesus. And because what Jesus did on the cross for you, you already are defined. You're loved, man. He died for you, man. Come on. He died for you, man. He went through hell for you. He literally went to hell. Like, you know, like, <laughs> on heaven and in hell. Like, come on. Like, oh, man. Your identity belongs to Jesus. You guys get what I'm saying, man. You're forgiven, man. You, you've been brought, bought with a price, man. You are a precious treasure, a precious jewel. Because we just talked about it with Revelations chapter 21, 22, the gates, of Jerusalem. The 12 gates are made of pearls. And we're all an irritation to God. A pearl is just created from an oyster continually wrapping up um, something called, using nectar to wrap up an irritation, a pest. Right? And it makes a pearl because they keep on doing it all the time because there's an irritation inside the oyster that it wants to get rid of. And that's what the pearly gates are made of. You know, you're a great irritation. Right? You're a sinner. Right? Jesus had to die for you, right? That wasn't for nothing. People think Jesus ain't real. It wasn't for nothing, guys. Come on. Like, that's that's crazy. I don't, just, just that idea alone. Like, why would an innocent man die in a horrific way just because they had, like, just Because they were crazy, like you know, like that don't make sense. The way he died, oh, he went through no. Mm-mm. That's my Lord and Savior, man. So your identity belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who defines you, and our identity is secured in Christ, it does not change. So you think you gotta work your way to heaven? You think because you sinned you're you're lost? No, what Nehemiah repented, and they got back with God just like that. That's all it takes. All you gotta do is turn away from your sins, all you gotta do is repent. All you gotta do is go to Him, come to Jesus. I don't know why i'm preaching justice it's just this word bro (laughs) it's you right but like yeah guys so the israelites they they didn't perform correctly obviously like Uh. they they didn't perform well right but again your identity of christ is not defined by your performance you know They had not, the Israelites did not do the right things in Nehemiah chapter 1 in 444 B.C., 150 years before the Babylonian captivity. And the reason why they became captives to the Babylonians and the Persians and any other world power during that time period, and they were scattered, was because of their disobedience, because they refused to repent and turn back to God. But all they had to do is turn away from their sins, because they are still the children of God, right? Like, that didn't change. They were still redeemed by God. They were still chosen by God. All you gotta do is go to Him.
0: <laughs>
1: you still belong to God. So that's a testament to anybody on this call, man. You think you, you think you failed too much? You think you uh messed up too much for God? You, God's grace is strong, boy. All right, just I ain't done, man. One last thing, man. Uh God's grace is strong, is is bigger. That's the one thing I want to say. Yeah, one of my biggest points was there's nothing that God's grace cannot cover, right? So it doesn't matter how scattered we are. It doesn't matter how separated we are from God. Because what Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39 says, it says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, there's no height nor depth. There's no bad weather or weather. There's no there's no evil or good. There's no, there's no sin you can commit. There's, there's nothing on this earth. There's no ocean that's big enough. No sky that's big enough. There's no galaxy big enough. There ain't nothing on earth can separate you from the love of God. You can have it at any time. So it doesn't matter how far away you are from God. It doesn't matter how great your sin is. It doesn't matter how evil you are. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are, where you are. I don't care. You can come back to God at any time. God's always there. He's always available. All you got to do is repent, and he'll bring you back to him. All you got to do is go to him, just like the prodigal son story. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love the Elijah of the West one. I've been into it too much, Justin. So like last scripture verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 through 21. It says, I'm not even going to read all of it. It's just this main part. It says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. God's grace is bigger than any sin. If anybody says that one sin is going to kill you, it's going to bring you to hell, all you got to do is repent. God's grace is bigger than that. God's grace is bigger than whatever you're going through. Whatever you're struggling with, God's grace is bigger. He's done forgiven you already. All you got to do is go to him and repent and and turn to him. It doesn't matter what you did or or how you did it, who you did it with. God wants you to come back. right? That's Nehemiah chapter 1. So is any sin unpardonable? I think that's the word. No. Like with the story of Achan, no. He could have repented. Judas, he could have repented. He didn't have to hang himself. Now he's burning in hell because he didn't give God a chance. But the 12 disciples, the other 12, the other 11, they stayed alive. All the, and Jesus came back. And he, <laughs> and he brought them back. And he built a church with them, with Peter, with James, with John. Even though they weren't with him at the cross, John was. But everybody else wasn't, Right. Everybody else disappointed Jesus. They said they weren't gonna turn from him, but they did. They disappointed Jesus how many times? Every time, every every time. And God and Jesus still used them. He can use you too. Man, I love Nehemiah one that so like Nehemiah had the right attitude towards God and his people and how God operates. Do you? This is how God operates, guys, guys, throughout the whole Bible, the old testament and the new, right? And it was was crazy is Nehemiah wanted to use his position. As a cupbearer to glorify God, even though he was in Persia, he had a high position. He's in the palace. He still wanted to lay down his life for his friends, just like Jesus, and go help out his people in Jerusalem, who ate, who's eight hundred to a thousand miles away from him. They didn't have airplanes. They didn't have cars. He was still willing to go the distance. Go, go through the oceans for you. Go through the mountains for you. I'm gonna bring you the moon. That's a song by Monica. So, like, <laughs> like that's what uh, Jeremiah wanted to do. For the body of Christ. Are you the same way, man? Is your life your own? You are bought with a price. It's not your own, man. Uh there's so much more I want to say. I'm done, man. I'm talking too much. <laughs>
0: that that just hit the first chapter perfectly.
1: Yeah. Man, I had I spent too long in this chapter, man. I'm not gonna lie, like I haven't studied this all week. I just studied it today. That's it. But like I've been studying this nonstop for months. So, like, that's why I could take a break and just come back and refine my notes a little bit. And then, like, once I read it too much, though. That's that's the thing. If I read my notes like four different times, I know where everything is. So when I'm about to say something, I want to say something, I can just go to it. Or when you say something that sparks me, I can just go to my notes and I know exactly where it is. So that's when I'm dangerous, man. I'm not the, the videos suck when I don't know my outline, I don't know like where I last left off at and stuff like that but yeah you gave me a huge advantage this time around man you gave me a lot of time to study and stuff so but <laughs> uh, yeah but guys that's the video justin you have anything else man you good
0: no i'm good
1: yeah hey, guys I-, I know you guys enjoyed it man the guy was talking too much like that's nehemiah chapter one verses one i mean verses five through six and again if you go to my youtube channel upload past crossroads man Subscribe, comment, share. This is the greatest YouTube channel ever. ever. Second to Justin's YouTube channel, Chaplain's Logs. But go to this YouTube channel. You can see all the Bible studies and sermons and videos that me and Justin have done on Nehemiah chapter 1. And also on the book of Nehemiah. If you just check out both of those two playlists on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. And also, here goes all the rest of my social media pages. I have the best social media pages ever. So go to all of them. I showed you my Instagram, my Twitter page basically earlier on this video. So here they are, Trouble Don't Last, and my underscore daily underscore Bible, uh, both of my uh, Instagram pages, and then also my TikTok, Snap, and Twitter, Trouble Don't Last. All right, so those are all mine. Here goes Einstein's uh, YouTube channel, so Justin Lee Howell, uh Chaplin's Log. So subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when he uploads another video, comment, share, and uh, do all those things on his YouTube channel. If you don't do those things on our YouTube channels, they won't grow and god won't bless us i mean he'll still bless us but you guys know what i'm saying we need you right we're a body we need each other right and then here goes his facebook page uh justin lee howe befriend him on there uh like i always tell you guys if you got any questions if you want me and justin to do a video on a question you have or on the topic of the bible you let us know we'll do a video just dm us on our uh social media pages dm him on his facebook page or on my facebook page and uh also, on my uh, Instagram pages, I will respond on those. Don't do it on my Twitter. I get too many messages on Twitter. All right. So that was the video, guys. We'll be back at it again next week or some other time this coming week. All right. And we're going to be talking about verses probably 6 through 9, 6 through 10, something like that. We're going to tear this up, man. We got way more for you. I know in the next video, we'll be talking about true confession. What is true confession? Are you really confessing your sins? All right. But that was this video. All right. So. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Kick major butt, Justin. You good? You going to say anything or you good?
0: Y'all stay blessed.
1: All right, man. Peace out, guys. Pray you guys enjoyed it, man. Kick major butt. Pray in Jesus' name you receive the victory that Jesus has died on the cross for
0: through each and every single obstacle you face in this life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.